The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back, my friends. I am sure I am not the first, but let me wish you, anyway, a happy 2022 to everyone out there from the MMA Fighting Family. You guys already know. This is our once-a-month ranking show. My name is Sean O'Shadi, and I am joined by my good friend and co-host, the Prince of Positivity, the King in the North, Alexander K. Lee, and a new year is upon us, AK, a new ranking cycle. And boy, this one was a doozy, my man. Upsets all over the place in December, including one of the biggest in the history of sport. Obviously, that was Juliana Pena. But really, both the men and the female bantamweights underwent a total reshuffling. You had Sergio Pettis, Jose Aldo, Dominic Cruz, Sean O'Malley even crept in the rankings. Uh, We have a new women's pound-for-pound number one. Conor McGregor finally fell out. So did Frankie Edgar. We're going to get to all of that on today's show. But it was just pure chaos over these last few weeks. AK. When you look back on December 2021 and all the changes we just saw, what for you stands out as the biggest story to affect these rankings heading into the new year? Well, I'll tell you, Shaheen, the story that I'm most satisfied about is uh, one Mr. Charles Oliveira uh, becoming <laughs> the undisputed. Let me let's look. Let's let's. This isn't. I don't think this is the number one story. But let me just touch upon this quickly. Uh, everyone Take your had victory to sh- lap. Take your victory listen, lap. Everyone had to shift around their lightweight rankings a little bit uh, this month, except for this guy. Because I had Charles Oliveira at number one the whole time. So I barely had to change. And I don't know if I did change anything. I'll have to quickly look at my rankings again. But yeah, I don't think I had to change much. And I certainly didn't change number one. So that, that was the victory lap. So for me, I should say, this really doesn't answer your question. Because you're asking, what was the biggest move? For me, that was nothing. The Charles Oliveira win did nothing. <laughs> that was status quo for my rankings. I uh, know. I mean, clearly, look, uh, we've had some, we've had some, you mentioned, you know, we've had some, some slow months during these ranking shows. Uh, December was definitely not one of them. There was a lot of stuff that happened. Most importantly, holy crap, Julian and Pena 
clearly becoming the number one uh, ranked bantamweight and also really uh, you know shaking up our pound for pound rankings uh we're all over the place in this one i don't know where you settled on uh what to do with juliana pena as far as as far as pound for pound goes Sure. I mean, the, the question of Juliana Pena and just in general, women's pound for pound was an interesting one this month, because obviously, first of all, we had a new number one. Yes. And it is a number one we've debated on this show. I think uh, a month or two ago, we had mm-hmm. Mike on who was forced to defend his take of why he put <laughs> Valentina Shevchenko number one. And all of a sudden he, too, now looks like a genius because uh-huh. uh, Valentina Shevchenko was uh, unanimous across the board. The new women's pound for pound number one. And it's a very weird and murky top five there because obviously she's lost twice to, to Amanda Nunes but then Amanda just lost to Juliana I think I settled on Juliana being number three with Shevchenko Rose Pena Noon Cyborg that was sort of my five how, how did you approach that I don't have her in my top five and nor does uh nor does Gui and nor does uh the esteemed EKC Leiden so so we took a different so you know this this kind of speaks one to the uh what does pound for pound mean a question which we always say we're going to address you know head on at some point in the show and we will but we always you know we can touch upon little aspects of it uh, on every episode when it comes up so one of the things is i think a lot of people view pound for pound as body of work so it's like you you don't necessarily lose your spot unless you have a similar body of work to you know the person you beat and then you, you clearly jump over them in this case i don't think anyone would look at pena's resume and amanda nunez's resume and say oh yeah well clearly uh, you know juliana pena is a, is a better fighter it's like she beat her on that night, but boy, I mean, comparatively over the last few years, uh, Pena, yeah, she's only had a couple of losses, but also there's that inactivity. So for me, I still have Nunez over her. I, I kept Nunez at two. Probably the wins over Shevchenko matter to me, even though they did happen at bantamweight. So again, if we're talking pound for pound, you could theorize if, if uh, a 125-pound version of Nunez wouldn't beat Shevchenko, whatever, we all agreed. With the loss, she does have to drop down, and, and Shevchenko has been untouchable, so she's number one. Uh, so Pena, again, I, I, and that's it, but I only have her at six. That's a huge jump for me. I think I had her, I believe she was not ranked. Yeah, I think yes, she I was unranked it. on pretty much everyone's ballot for the pound for pound. <laughs> it looks like Gui and Mike had her on there, but not very high. Uh, so Gui barely bumped her up. Mike bumped her up all the way up to number two. And, and again, justifiably so. I'm not faulting anyone else's t- uh, call on this one. If you think that beating her, she just takes her spot, then you have to put her in the top two because, I mean, Nunez was was either one or two, depending who you were. So Pena deserves it. But for me, uh, the body of work isn't strong enough. So I I bumped her way, way, way up to number six out of nowhere, but didn't penalize Nunez that much, kept her at number two. The resolution at women's pound for pound and in particular this the way this all played out with Valentina now being this unanimous number one, that's probably the biggest story of the month just overall. And in particular, when you look back on it like a year or two from now, we'll, I'm sure we'll all remember December as the 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 month that it happened. The craziness, the insanity, the impossibility happened there. But for me, I kind of, I kind of shy towards what you mentioned at the beginning of the show, the, the clarity that we finally received at Lightweight when it comes to, to the stories that I'll remember. Because, I mean, I'll admit, AK, you were on this one early. Like, you you were on Charles from the beginning of these rankings, mm-hmm. and he proved all of us wrong. I mean, Dustin Poirier was almost a unanimous number one lightweight for MMA fighting. You were the one holdout heading into that fight. And it wasn't even that controversial of a, of a ranking, right? Like, I think a lot of people felt the same as us. I think a lot of people in the space looked at Dustin Poirier as this uncrowned champion, as the number one lightweight in the world. And now there's just not a debate. Zero losses. Well, so, I mean, well we'll get to that. But we'll get to this later. This is a little teaser for later, guys. 
I, I said everyone had to shuffle their rankings, and they did. They did not all shuffle them, believe it or not, and end up with uh, Charles Oliveira at number one. One of our, again, this will come up later, guys. One of our rankers has a new number one that is not Dustin Poirier or Charles Oliveira. You guys can uh, just stay tuned to, to, to hear who that is. Well, aside from the lunacy of that one man, <laughs> uh, it's Charles. It has to be Charles Oliveira. Zero losses now since 2017 <laughs> with that that one fight with Paul Felder. But since then, ten straight wins. He's proven old narratives wrong, left and right. Like you have these back to back come from behind finishes of Chandler and Poirier. And to me, it's really important the way these fights played out too, because obviously, I mean, we've talked about it at length on other shows, but just dispelling all of these, these myths and these old narratives and the way people used to think and talk about Charles Oliveira, it couldn't have happened in a more perfect way for him with these last two wins, a war chest of UFC records. Now for this man, uh, you were right. Okay. You were right. And we were all wrong. You know, a, bro- a broken clock uh, twice a day. I will take it. Uh, this is one. I, and, and, and again, this is one like, I, I, can I even boast about this? Like, clear, I, I, this is this is me championing like a guy who, like you said, hasn't lost in like 10 fights, owns the US. <laughs> like, yeah, I was really cheering on an underdog here. You know what I mean? But no, I will take uh, for sure. I'll take some, some credit uh, because, yeah, it. Look, he had to beat some tough people and, and, and uh, he had to shake like what you said, uh, one of the toughest things to shake in any sport, uh, whether we're talking about MMA or, or you know, uh, uh, you know, traditional team sports, being a quitter, not being able to get over the hump, not being able to win the big one. Uh, there, there are many, many great athletes throughout history who never uh, who still had great careers, but never answered that question. So uh, it was it was very much in doubt for for uh, Charles Oliveira for a long time. And 2021 could not have could not have gone better. In particular, in MMA, it is so hard once Ugh. people have dug in on whatever they believe about you. It is so hard to shake that. Now and it's Dustin Poirier. Now it's Dustin Poirier right now. People say, oh, it's Poirier. He can't he can't, can't become undisputed. He'll big never, one. He can't win. That's never become thing. undisputed yeah. champion. And like that's crazy. Like Which is he so could silly. still someday. It's timing. All of this is timing. Yeah. All of this yes. is matchups. It's not, you know, we've seen Dustin Poirier, quote, win the big one. He just won twice against Conor McGregor. Like, it's all, <laughs> all of it's very silly, but it's just a crazy way that all of this played out in 2021. Uh, moving on now from the champions, though, to the contenders, because there were two other big risers uh, of December. Bilal Muhammad and Andre Muniz, just wow. two monster wins for each. I think Bilal stunned us all by dominating Wonderboy worse than anyone has before in the UFC. And then Andre Muniz out here just looking like the real deal, man. Like our, our submission of the year winner in 2021. I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later in the show, so I want to hit Bilal really quickly. He vaults up from number 13 at welterweight to number six. First off, are you surprised? And then second, I, oh. do you just see this... Like, is this his peak, if we're being honest? Is this the ceiling for Bilal in this division, or do you feel like there's more room for him to, to go? I've been a big-time Bilal doubter. I think I, I am, I'm not doing that anymore. I could not have called the Wonder Boy fight more inaccurately. My, my prediction is it's it's on MMAfighting.com. If anyone wants to go back and laugh and laughing. <laughs> at, no, because I said, I said, oh, I don't think his wrestling's good enough. You know, Stephen Thompson usually excels Oof, against wrestlers. That was the that was the prediction. The wrestling that was definitely a part of it. Oh, uh, man, that's and, right. And I doubled down on that one of our one of our, our shows before the event. Something someone asking someone just asking, do you think Muhammad can just like kind of lay in? I think their phrase was lay and pray. And I'm like, no, I'm like, who's been able to do that to Wonder Boy? Like he's faced some very strong wrestlers and, and, and he, he has never lost. Like that, uh, I was like Gilbert. Well, I mean, he just had against Gilbert Burns, which is why the question was asked. But I, I thought Muhammad is not on the level of Gilbert Burns. That is what I thought. Uh, and look, I don't know. Maybe he's not as good at jujitsu as him, but wrestling wise, did great. Perfectly executing against Wonder Boy, a guy who is still, I think, at a tough out. I don't care how old he is. I don't care how much mileage he has. Very, very difficult style matchup. And like someone again who I think uh, Wonder Boy was pretty favored. 
So, Mohammed, yeah, I bumped him all the way up to six on my charts. Uh, where did he land in our? And he landed at six. He landed at six. I, yeah, and, that's and nice. Pretty much everyone on the website had him either five to eight range, but almost every, I think the majority of us had him at six. And right now, all of a sudden, welterweight is kind of starting to make a lot of sense, right? Like this was a division that was log jammed for a long time. But the way that this division has now played out and Kamaro, the quickness with which he's churned through these contenders in 2021, it feels like we have a very definitive top five or six. I don't know if you want to throw Bilal in that top tier, but if you do, I mean, it's him, Usman, Covington, Edwards, Burns, Luke. And there we go, right? Like that that feels figured out in a way that is really nice and tidy in the welterweight division has not been nice and tidy in a really long time. Yeah, and, and, I, and I hope uh, the UFC and Kamaru Usman view these guys. Maybe all of them are one fight away, but I do hope they view these guys as like, Good, solid title challenges. I I know Leon Edwards would be a big underdog. Bilal would be a huge underdog. Luke would be a huge. Uh, he's beaten Luke already, right? Uh, Kamaru Usman. I mean, they fought, to they me, fought a while Edwards, ago, right? I've been saying this for years. Edwards has the best chance against Usman, and sure. he might and, actually and, and, win that fight. I don't know if he'll be the big oof. underdog, but he might. He he could easily win that. Not easily, but he could very conceivably win that fight. Edwards and Luke would both be rematches, right? I know Edwards for sure. Luke would also be a rematch. I think. Uh, I'm not. I'm not crazy. A long uh, time with ago. Usman. With Usman, like a no. long time. No, 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 no. They've never fought. I believe they used to be teammates. Oh, they used to be teammates. I'm sorry. They were on the Ultimate Fighter the, the yeah. same season. That's right. Uh, I should remember that. I'm one of the only people who watched that season, uh, <laughs> which was a very good season, by the way. Uh, but yeah, I, I hope Usman does see these guys as, as fresh challenges and, and interesting challenges. I know he's in he's in this mode now where everyone's asking, "Will he just fight in another division? Has he cleared it out? Will he go do boxing? Blah blah, blah all this stuff." And it's great. It's, you know, I'm, it's great. He has options. We want uh, great UFC fighters to have options. But I also see lots of good title defenses for him um maybe they don't move maybe Bilal muhammad doesn't move the needle maybe Leon edwards rematch doesn't move the needle but this is how you build a legacy i mean this is really you know you can't be lucky and have all your guys be you know super b-sides super compelling b-sides so if i'm if i'm usman and i and these other things don't come up you know these other opportunities i don't think he should be that unhappy i think there's a lot of good uh, title fights ahead of him also, not every title fight needs to move the needle, you know, like no. th- th- not every GSP fight moved the needle, not every DJ fight or Anderson Silva fight moved the needle like these. This is ultimately where legends are built is just through this, mm-hmm. through the grind of these contenders and title fights, regardless of whether it's one that is going to sell a million pay-per-views or sell 200,000, you know, um, I will say Bilal is a really interesting sort of question to look at now in this division, because you would think he'd be looking upward. And instead, he is looking downward and he's looking straight at Hamza Shamayev. And I like it. I kind of I actually really like the idea of the call out. I like the idea of the matchup for Bilal. Like he's not going to get one of these fights probably with, you know, a, a, a Colby Covington or something like that. So why not look downward and why not look at pretty much the biggest name available in this division? If they book that fight tomorrow, who are you favoring? I mean, I would favor Hamza, but this is kind of like what we said for Usman. No respect, but, still no but respect. But this is kind of what we said for Usman, though. If you if if you want to get Shemaev, the time is now because he's probably not as good as he'll be a year from now, eighteen months from now, two years from now. He's obviously amazing. Uh, again, I'll, depending on who you ask, might be might be. I mean, the number one contender right now might be championship material right now. I I of course would question. I'm very skeptical when it comes to these things. Uh, the talent is there. The results have been incredible so far. I just need to see him do this against right that next tier of competition. Um, so yeah, it's a great call out. This 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 is the time to get him. If you want to beat him, the time is now. And if you Muhammad and you beat him. You probably jump over Covington, Burns, that Edwards, the guys ahead of you, and you get a title shot, right? Because because Hamzat would probably get a title shot if he beat Muhammad. So <laughs> that's it's a great call out. It's very smart. You still just can't respect Bilal Muhammad 
even after all this. Wait, what did I say? Oh, I, that I would. Fa- well, I mean, I'm not like, fa- <laughs> you know, like minus 200. That's still pretty disrespectful. That's actually. pretty yeah, two to one. That's pretty um, disrespectful. I, I would agree with you, though. I mean, I would favor Hamzat Shemayev, too. But yeah, what can you do? Uh, last thing here before we bring on the big guns, Mike Heck and Jed Mishu and open the floor a bit to some roundtable discussions. So we've spoken about the champs. We've spoken about the up and coming contenders. Now, quickly, I want to point our eyes at the next level, the the prospects, the new blood, because, AK, there is something interesting happening at Women's Flyweight, and we saw it this past month. Aaron Blanchfield and Casey O'Neill both debuting, tied for number 14 into our rankings. Both were finalists for MMA Fighting's Rookie of the Year, and actually Casey won that award. Is there something going on here at Women's 125? Is there something worth keeping an eye on, do you think? Yeah, I think we need to stop like being surprised sort of that the the women's uh, 125-pound division has movement, has compelling prospects. It is just immovable at the top uh, with Valentina Shevchenko, and it will remain that way for the near future. She is in her prime. She is, again, as we said, the number one pound-for-pound women's fighter in the world. That's not going to change for a while. Uh Unless she books a trilogy fight with Amanda Nunes, but I mean, I think the interest in that has, you know, that comes and goes, comes and goes, depending depending on uh, who's fought recently, who's won, and all that. So, uh, I, I hope people understand that this is this is not something like this isn't surprising that talents like Casey O'Neill and Aaron Blanchfield and such are coming up. This has been building for like the last year and and, and maybe a little bit before that. So, uh, it's unfortunate to say some of the older, more veteran fighters probably will have to drop down at some point. Oh, wait, you didn't mention uh, Manel Firo as well. Some of the older fighters will have to drop out, but uh, that is a good thing for the division. That is a good thing for fans. Uh, we will again. And look, we'll see a Roxanne Modafari is uh, fighting uh, Casey O'Neill next. And then Jessica I is fighting uh, uh, Manal Fioro next. So it's the, the, the moving has only just begun. The moving and shaking has only just begun. If you are a fan of these prospects, uh, like you said, the two that are are, are now in our rankings, uh, you're you're not mistaken to to be so because there's a lot of talent there. Some of them are going to hit some bumps. Some of them are going to take them steps back. But I would be shocked. Uh, I, I would be shocked if uh, a year from now we're not still talking about Blanchfield and O'Neill and Firo as actual like, you know, future contenders, if not already someone uh right in line for a title shot. Yeah. And you mentioned men and I think she was like right on the, uh, the bubble, uh, the cutoff bubble for mm-hmm. our top 15 too. So she's right there as well. And I, and she also was, it was in the rookie of the year conversation. The rookie mm-hmm. of the year conversation was essentially women's 125. Yes. And it's an interesting thing because I mean, you mentioned the Valentina Shevchenko cloud that sort of hovers over this division. I think that makes it very hard for a lot of people to get invested in the contenders like the or not the contenders but the prospects that like we are talking about right now right because it feels as if ah is anybody gonna beat val like are any of three these three gonna actually beat val but man this is where it starts right like this is it's a long road it's not as if any of these women is going to be fighting valentina probably in 2022 even or you know maybe we're looking at 2023 the earliest for any of them i don't know man these things take time and you see it, you see the the groundswell of a very deep division starting to build here at 125. I think there very soon this could be the deepest division uh, for the women in, in the UFC. Yeah, and it's and it's not just you know Valentina's one problem. They also, there's also two like very powerful gatekeepers in uh, Jessica Andrade, who may who may return to 115 at some point. We don't know, but if she doesn't, <laughs> I mean she's such a de facto clear number two. Uh, and then Caitlin Chukagian as a, another very powerful gatekeeper. So these are two fighters I who say you powerful. Have to, 
but I would say powerful effective. Powerful as far as like yeah, effective, yeah. yeah. Powerful as far as you know, as far as how difficult it is to to get past them. I mean, sure. uh, you, you and look, look, we said sort of with uh, with uh, Bala Muhammad. If you get the right matchup and the right you know string of wins together, you could theoretically jump over these fighters. You know, it's not like you you but. So far, they have been sort of the the key to uh, to getting a matchup, um, and I don't think either of them will be rematching uh, Shevchenko anytime soon. So I don't know. There's a lot of time for these names, th- these three uh, you know prospects we've mentioned to simmer, to build their resumes, to to get good names, to get good experience, and and who knows? Who knows? One of them shakes out and and gets just the right timing uh, to fight Valentina Shevchenko again. I I, I don't think the timing is going to line up that well for any of them, but this like you said, this is MMA. This is how these things begin. And, you know, 18 months from now, we could look, be looking back at this conversation and saying, man, we, we undersold some of these prospects. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I, I'm really excited for that division as we move forward into this new year. Quickly, news and notes to, to go over before we head into our discussion, the roundtable yes. discussion. Two notable names that we haven't mentioned already exiting our rankings this month. One from retirement, one from inactivity. Claudia Gadelia, stalwart of the women's uh, strawway division. She calls it quits, uh, cites head, head, you know, problems with head trauma or worries and concerns with head trauma. Uh, I think a very successful career for Claudia, regardless of whether she won the UFC title or not. And then Juicier Formiga hitting that 18 month mark for inactivity of those two, AK, who will you miss most on this list? Oh gosh. Well, I, I don't, I don't like to play favorites. I, I do want to say it is, it is kind of, cr- well, I, I, I will say I'll miss, you know, Claudia Gadelia a little more immediately just cause I, I'm as of, I mean, as of, you know, a month, two months ago, we were thinking, Oh, who's she going to fight? You know, you know, she's still in the contender talk. Is someone going to, you know, is she one of those high level gatekeepers? Someone has to beat her to get, you know, get up to that stride, you know, top five in straw weight. Um, but she just hadn't fought for so long. So it wasn't that surprising when we heard that she had decided, you know, just to hang it up. And and for good reason, she's going back to school. She's studying health. She's studying nutrition. She's studying something, you know, and, and it makes sense for her. Someone who's very concerned about sort of what was happening to her, to her brain, you know, from, from these very difficult fights she's been in. Uh, and if you, I think if you watch her fights against like, uh, yeah, Jacek and Nina, uh, Nina Nunez now a uh, former the uh, Nina Ansarov, excuse me, Angela Hill. She took a lot of punches in these fights. She took like a lot of punches. Uh, Yan Shanan, her last fight. I mean, that's a scary thing. She just turned 33. So thankfully she's still like in her prime and, and very healthy. So it's good that she's walking away now, but it's amazing when you talk about her and Formiga, I don't think people remember, you know, uh, Shaheen, we always talk about how this is such a what have you done for me lately business. Gadelia was the number one or number two fighter at 115 for a long time. Uh, and even probably before Joanna Yajecha came along, I think some people will put Gadelia number one. Uh, or, of course, there's some fighters in Japan as well. Always has always had a strong, uh, you know, lighter weights division for the women. She was supposed and, to be the champion. Like when yes, they introduced this division, she was right? being kind of that heir apparent. She just couldn't compete on tough because she couldn't make the weight that many times in a row. Mm-hmm. Right. And she probably would have won. I mean, if we're, if we're beyond, she probably would have won that season and been the inaugural strawweight champion instead of uh, Carlos Barza. So it wasn't to be. Juicy Formiga clearly was the number one best flyweight in the world once upon a time. This was before, of course, uh, WC came over and guys like Joseph Benavidez and Demetrius Johnson dropped down. But there was that window where he he was the best. Ian McCall took that from him. Um Shout out Tachi Palace fight Shout days, right? Shout out Tachi right? Palace, man, for the old schools. And it's so crazy now to say that both the, one is retired, one is now out of the rankings. I, I don't know if Juicy Formiga is retired. He turns 37 this year. Uh, we haven't seen it, like I said, 18 months. He's lost our cutoff. So if he retired, it wouldn't be that surprising. So two people who were once considered number one or number two in their divisions uh, are now, uh, now, at least at the moment, no longer a factor. Yeah, and it's tough for the flyweights. There's just not a lot of opportunity 
out there in the greater MMA world for them mm-hmm. outside of the UFC. But as we said, December was a crazy, crazy month. Uh, so much movement. You love to see it. You, I love these kind of months where just so much happens and there's so much I'm so chaos. Happy. I'm so happy, Shaheen. <laughs> I'm here for chaos. Uh, anyway, we're going to take a quick break and then we're bringing in Mike and Jed on the other side. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, y'all, we are back. Joined now by our old BTL favorites, Mike Heck, Jed Mishu. We appreciate you fellas for coming on, especially on such a big week. I know we have this big championship match coming up, and there's a, a late wrench getting thrown into it. We actually have a little bit of a preview almost on today's show. My co-host himself, A.K. Lee, getting thrown into the finals of the BTL championship in place of Phoenix Carnavale. Jed, I don't know if you can handle this, man. You know, uh, I mean, I know I can because I've handled it many, many times before, <laughs> but I won't pretend like I'm not disappointed. You know, everybody, everybody's been paying attention. They've seen what, what the plan was. I had a mission and now my mission will be unfulfilled for at least another week. Uh, but you know, you got to roll with the punches. I'll dust up AK real fast and we'll get, get back on track as soon as, uh, Phoenix, the, the undis- undis- undisputed undefeated champion can uh, finally put her belt on the line for real. AK coming into Daniel Cormier, this thing. He's going to ruin this whole tournament. I love it. That was Absolutely amazingly respectful. I was about to say, uh, <laughs> I'm happy to step in for the for the ducking. More, more like uh, duck duck carnival. Am I right, guys? Uh, you know, Good we're one. going. <laughs> Good one. Yeah, it, it, it took me a second. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, you, you guys, have, I think you're right, Jed. I think like you're right. People were waiting for this moment. Maybe your chance to finally topple her. 
And I think maybe she felt it too. So I don't know. I'm sure that matchup will happen again in the future. But I, I am happy to step in and, and, and face you again once more, my, my timeless rival. Well, we'll keep it civil today because the tournament hasn't restarted yes. yet. Uh, so two big topics here to hit for you guys. Uh, and let's start here because there was a lot of movement on this last ranking cycle, the MMA fighting rankings. A lot of underdogs, a lot of new blood. And anytime that happens, there's only so many spots. The old guard eventually has to clear out and make way for the new. And this month, we saw two names who have really been fixtures of these ranking lists, of all of these ranking lists for the past, what, six, seven, eight, nine years. They were finally casualties. It finally happened, fellas. The original champ champ, Conor McGregor. And AK, I know this next one hurts you dearly. But the old dog, Frankie Edgar. They're both out of the rankings Pain. as of today. Kicked out by the flood of all these new names invading the lightweight and bantamweight ranks, who I think we all agree are just the two best divisions in the sport. And so we're going to start today's little uh, roundtable with a little game, and we're calling it Ever Again. As in, will we ever see these guys again in our rankings? This is pretty self-explanatory. We've got four names here, four for the four of us. I'll throw them out, and you fellas just let me know if you think those names are ever going to find their way back into our rankings. It's simple. And we'll start with the cheese, the bread, Conor McGregor. For the first time in history of our rankings, he's not there. And if we had been doing these for the last six or seven years, it'd probably be the first time ever he would not be there in some capacity. Jed, Conor McGregor, is he ever going to be ranked again? He is by far the most interesting of these people, uh, just because you know he's going to get the big fights that a win kind of puts him right back in there. And, you know, if he does fight Tony Ferguson, right? Like, I know that that's probably not going to happen with everything else going on, but that has been thrown about. I would favor him to beat Tony at this point in time, and that would immediately get him back. I will err on the side of stardom and say that, yes, he manages to sneak his way back into the top of the rankings strictly because he's he's going to get the chances to, to get the win that will put him back there. Yeah, I, like in situations like this, I kind of compare it to Tiger Woods in golf where – when Tiger Woods was going through a lot of hard times and he wasn't winning tournaments and he was getting in trouble and doing dumb things, people were talking about it and they were t- talking about this fall from grace. But what happened once he won? Everybody's, it's, it's not like it was forgotten, but in a way it kind of was. Winning changes everything. And when you're a star like Conor McGregor, you just need one. So it, I think the UFC will be very careful with who they match him up with. I don't know if we'll get a Cerrone-esque type matchup, but I think... You know, someone like a Ferguson or a winnable fight for Connor is probably likely for him if they don't go to one of the trilogy fights. So I think one win and he gets back in there, but it all depends on the opponent. So like Jed said, I will I will agree with him. I'll, I'll err on that side of caution. And uh, I think Connor will get back to his winning ways. And if he does, he'll be back in the rankings. So, yes, I think he will be back in the rankings and sometime this year. As a longtime Tony Ferguson mark and maybe the last holdout in the in the whole MMA space on this, <laughs> it really saddens me to hear just him just getting thrown around as like a free cheap win for Conor McGregor at this point. But it, like, can't argue with it. I guess like that's kind of where we're at with him. Uh, he's number seven in our lightweight rankings right now, so that would certainly put Conor back up there. What do you think, AK? Yeah, I mean, look, he's already uh, and I'm the only one, as you kind of mentioned before, that still has him ranked. I have him as high as 11th. Uh, again, some of this is based on what he's achieved in the past, uh, matchups that I think he would win. I think this is going to be a theme with a few of the names we discussed here, sort of like opportunity is probably the biggest thing. And of course, he'll, he has pretty much any opportunity he wants. But um, we mentioned he could he could maybe beat Tony Ferguson.
Ferguson. I see some other favorable matchups too. I think Dan Hooker, he could beat uh, Diego Fajeda, who's who I think is, oh, I don't know if they're still ranked uh, hitting an RBI. No, RPU. he fell out too. Okay, so he fell out. Uh, Riddell, Fazeev, I think he could win those fights. I don't know if he'd be fav- uh He probably would be favored. I'm sorry, betting wise, but I mean, amongst sort of the hardcore, the te- you know, the topology crowd, he might not be favored. Um, but I, again, anytime you put him in there with a the striker, I think he's dangerous. It's not like he didn't have his moments against Poirier. I mean, I do think Poirier convincingly beat him uh, in both fights. I mean, the second one was a bit wonky, but I, I think he was on his way to beating him again. Uh, but it's not like McGregor looks awful. It's just Poirier is really friggin' good. I don't think getting beaten by Poirier. Uh, and of course, uh, Habib before that necessarily dings up uh, what a talented fighter McGregor is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I probably still have him ranked based one on reputation and two, thinking that he could win some of these matchups based on accomplishments. I, I mean, it's he's <laughs> I totally understand why he's not in the top 15 anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm with I'm with Jed and Mike. I don't think he's as far that far off. He just needs one win against uh, any of these ranked guys who would gladly take a fight against him. Actually, I lied to you, AK. Diego Ferreira is clinging on, man. He is like number 14 right now, and he is just absolutely clinging on. It's really really interesting what's going on right now at the bottom of lightweight, because I think we see it reflected in a couple other divisions too, namely bantamweight, where you just have a lot of these new guys coming up. Like It's a a real sea change happening in several of these divisions, and you you look at the 10, or I guess 11 through 15, so the last five names at lightweight, we have Hafiel Fiziev. Gamrot, Riddell, Fajera, and Manfio, and then, you know, a couple, like 16 and 17 are, are similar type of young up-and-comers. It's something's happening in a lot of these divisions right now, and it's a really interesting time and place for them. Uh, but I have to make it unanimous with this one. I just, it does feel as if it's just, it's Connor. They're going to give him a cheap fight. They're going to give him an easy fight, or at least a fight that's a winnable fight, and will everybody will throw him back in there at some point because he is Connor McGregor, and that's sort of how this whole game works with him in the UFC and their matchmaking for him. I would imagine, like you said, AK, Dustin Poirier, all of us on the team except for you felt like Dustin Poirier was the number one lightweight in the world going into last month. So it's not as if losing twice to Dustin Poirier is the worst thing in the world for, for a guy like Connor. Uh, but let's move on. Next up. And this is the real heartbreaker of the round, as we mentioned. Frankie Edgar. Do we uh, have to? We, I'm sorry. <laughs> we do have to. Do we have uh, to? <laughs> 40 years old. It's so weird to think about this man as a 40-year-old man, but he is. He could conceivably be on a 5-5 losing streak, too, if that Pedro Munoz split decision went the way I think most people scored it. Knocked out in three of his last, or in all three of his last losses. Mike, man, it's been a good run. I mean, it's been a legendary run, a Hall of Fame run. But will Frankie ever again be ranked? Man, this is, I have to say no. I, I just, I don't feel, I, I feel like him and Connor are two totally different conversations because Connor, they're going to try to get him a win and make him look spectacular while Frankie Edgar is kind of in that place where his name is just going to put over some of this younger talent and he's going to fight somebody like, like a Song Yudong or Ricky Simone, somebody of that nature next. And I don't like his chances in either of those fights right now because 15 minutes is a long time and all it takes is one and song can turn your lights off. And we saw in the, in the re in the last card for the UFC in 2021, that Ricky Simone can also put your lights out. He's finally finding confidence in his striking. So, I mean, I, I, I hope deep down they book him against Dominic Cruz, but even then I still favor Dominic Cruz to win this fight. So yeah, I just, outside of maybe getting a Cruz fight, I think he's going to have to take on one of these young hungry lions and I don't see it going well. So unfortunately for AK and all the other Frankie Edgar marks out there, I think his days, at least in the MMA fighting Bantamweight rankings are, are behind him. Unfortunately. God, 
It's such a cruel world we live in, man. We're, we're at the point where we're talking about Frank Yeager like this, right? Of just the the guy, the token name, the veteran who's going to get thrown up against the young lions so they can make their name off of him. He feasted on these people for so long. I remember Yair Rodriguez four years ago, same spot at UFC, uh, what was that, 211. And Frankie just destroyed him. And we all thought it was happening then. Man, it uh, it's cruel. It's a cruel, cruel game. AK, I throw it to you, man. Is Frankie ever going to be coming back into these rankings? Man, he finally drops down to like his right division. I feel like, you know, physically. It's just too late. And, and it's when it's too late. And he also dropped down during a time when Bantamweight has now become again like the hottest, probably over the last two years, the hottest, most dangerous division that you can be in. Not not that featherweight and lightweight were a cakewalk. He's pretty much been in like killer divisions his whole career. But for right now, Bantamweight has so much movement and so many young like prospects and killers coming up. And he just happens to land like smack in the middle of it. Uh, and there's still and other veterans coming in right like you know, Jose Aldo also dropping down, right? His his nemesis. So the timing is just so bad. It, it is really hard to imagine him uh, coming back up. There's just there's just a lot of great names that I, I don't see him beating uh, both again, people with his experience level and people who the UFC will try to match him up with to, to make their name off of him. And the other big thing is I I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, well, in my world, Frankie Edgar never fights again. So, but also doesn't retire if that makes sense. So in my world, <laughs> so, so the next, the next three or four years of Frankie, he turned, he's turned 40 in October. So the next they three or four years, the Uriah Faber. AK. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jed. Yeah. That's the best way of putting it. But no, I want him in the situation where he maybe gets like, we hear like rumblings of him fighting every year. He maybe gets a fight book for some reason it falls through. And this happens for the next like three or four years until he's like 44. And, it's, and then he's just like, you know what? I'm probably not coming back. And that's it. Cause I love Frankie Edgar, one of my favorite fighters of all time. I I cannot see him go through some of these finishes that he has gone through in his last seven or eight fights. I mean, these he's not just getting knocked out. Like these are like all time like vicious knockouts, and they're all happening to the same person. So uh, yeah, he's not going to re-enter because he's not going to fight again in, in in my mind. Ugh. It pains me to say, but I think I have to agree with both of you. I, I, I love Frank Yeager with all of my heart. Like, I love what he represents. I, I think, honestly, like, if we're looking at it, realistically, most fans today probably don't understand, right? Like, how much of a wonder this guy was at his peak. Like, I would, I would, how, how, what percentage of fans do you think actually have seen the Maynard trilogy? Ask fans today about him or BJ Penn. And uh, our newer fans, complete like question marks, complete like, you know, people who just look at their records and like, what? What are they? these guys are, were like legends once? Huh? How? And it's like, man, you you had to be there. If you I had the, to be there. Yeah. If I set the over under on 40 percent of fans these days have seen the Maynard trilogy, do you think that's too high or too low? Too high. I too think high so, too. That's so weird. I can't hand, I can't handle getting old like this, guys. Uh, but it, it, it does feel as if it's over for Frankie. I mean, the lighter weight divisions are just not kind to 40-year-olds uh, and, and people in this age range. I, I think I agree. I think that's probably the last we've seen of him in these rankings, and it's so weird to consider him in that way. What do you think, Jed? So well, that's I, a deep breath. I can't that's decide a deep if breath. I think he's got – Yeah, I, I've, been, I've been pondering this the last little stretch here. I'm going to put him at 30 to 35% to get back in the rankings for oh. one very specific reason. Uh, I would favor him to be Dominic Cruz. And I think there's uh-huh. a 50-50 chance Cruz gets the, – they'd book the Cruz-Edgar fight next. Uh, I think the other the other way they might go would be uh, Cruz-Aldo. I know I don't know what Aldo's appetite for that is versus a Dillashaw fight, which he specifically called for. But I could see them going either way. And I would favor Frankie to beat Dominic Cruz because Dominic Cruz is not a hitter. Um, 
So that really kind of minimizes the chance of Frankie taking kind of that shot that has proven very, very difficult for him recently. And Frankie, I think Frankie would just outwork Dominic over 15 or 25 minutes. I think he'd do a lot of leg kicks that would score points with the judges, even if maybe they weren't like the most effective weapon in the world. Uh, So I would favor him to beat Dominic Cruz. And if he does that, he's going to sneak his way back in. But that's his only route. And if if Frankie was going to be more proactive in wanting that fight and saying, I want to get this, I'm going to call for it and make that happen, I think you have a lot better chance. But he's also Frankie Edgar. He yeah. probably will just sign on the dotted line to fight any random monster that the UFC wants to put over because he's he's fearless and that will result in him losing again and then he'll be forever out of it. So 30 to 35 percent if he gets Cruz, that's that's the only way he can do it, though. The sort of brief nightmare I have in my brain right now is that a guy like Marab Wallace Willie is going to have a really hard time getting the type of type of fights that he deserves right now. Um, so at that, that point, like, what's the best sort of outside scenario? They're not going to book Cruz against Wallace Willie. I could certainly see the UFC trying to book Frankie Edgar versus Wallace Willie, which no. I just don't even want to say like, out loud, no. but I, I could definitely we were, see it. I, thought, you, I could I definitely see it happening. <laughs> I thought I you were my best friend. Best friends don't do me. that. Best friends don't do that to each other. Why do you put that in the world, Mike Heck? I can't. I I I could not handle something like that. That that'd be criminal to to book that fight right now. But it's it's certainly within the realm of possibility. I'm actually surprised both Jed, you and Mike, mentioned the cruise fight because that's actually not one that. I guess I've considered at all since since Dom's last win. It feels like Dom's sort of on the the up the escalation, like he's sort of on the upswing, looking for a bigger name, like you said, Jose Aldo or something like that. I'd be stunned if they actually went that direction. I mean, I I agree. I think Dom would be less interested in it, but there are just so few options for Dominic Cruz in my mind. Like Fair. They're really the same. Like both of these guys are passive. Um, whether they're hanging on to a top fifteen ranking or not, like they're not the guys they once were, and they are not reasonably going to get back to a title. Um, and so, in my mind, when you've reached that stage in your career promotionally, you should just be doing fights between those two. Like, sure, occasionally use them to get over young up and coming names that you think you that you think can do something, a Sean O'Malley or something like that. But for the rest of the time, like. I don't have any interest in watching Dominic Cruz fight Marab Dalashvili. I don't think that does anything, honestly, for really for Marab or like, and it certainly doesn't do anything for my entertainment value. <laughs> and so, like, I know that Cruz probably doesn't want that. He wants the Aldo fight, and I'd be okay with the Aldo fight because I feel Aldo is only a a slight step above kind of where that Frankie Edgar Cruz is. He is also a legend in the game who's probably not going to win a title given uh, Piotr Jan still being in the division and likely going to compete for the title next. But uh, if they don't, like I said, if they don't do that, uh, I would still be interested in Frankie Edgar, Dominic Cruz. And I think that that's the biggest name Dominic Cruz can get, even if it doesn't, you know, necessarily move him up the ladder. Well, let's keep it moving. Next man up uh, is actually a man whose story may come to define at least to some degree 2022 and how this whole year plays out because he's also lost three of his last four, but he is in a very different spot. He is Nate Diaz. And to me, this is an interesting one because he is the true wild card, right? Like you never actually know where Nate's going to end up. You never know who he's going to fight. I never thought he would take the Leon Edwards fight. He was calling for Luke after that. It's obvious what he's trying to do and what opportunity he's angling for. He has one fight left on his UFC deal and hell, maybe he's a boxer by the end of 2022. 
you have no concept right now of what Nate's going to do. Is the Dustin Poirier fight going to come together? We see that's sort of up in the air. AK, I'll go to you. Nate Diaz, is he ever going to be ranked again? So we mentioned the opportunity thing at the beginning and kind of like uh, uh, Conor McGregor, he does have a lot of you know chances to potentially move up. We have guys like Vicente Luque calling him out. Uh, Stephen Thompson would love to fight him. Masvidal, I don't, I mean, has that's business taken care of. I don't think he cares to fight him again. Everybody um, would love to fight him, right? Like, yeah, everyone would love to fight him. So, but the difference between him and McGregor in this case, so I'm going to go no. I'm going to go no. I don't think we see him ranked in the top 15 again because I, I don't think he wins a lot of these fights. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I do have this horrible image of him fighting like somehow pummeling like Sean Brady or something like that. Just like just like catching Sean Brady at the at the wrong time of their careers. Like Sean Brady's not quite ready for a Nate Diaz, uh, you know, a guy with that level of experience yet. But again, I, I would probably favor Sean Brady. I think most people would. Other than that, again, uh, Hamza, uh, Neil Magny, these are all really good welterweights guys who I think I, I just don't think Nate Diaz can beat them. So do I think he's done fighting ranked opposition? Uh, certainly not. Uh, whenever he steps in there, it probably will be against either someone in the top 15 or some sort of fan favorite veteran that has fallen out or, you know, Conor McGregor. Um, so he has many, many big fights ahead of him. But as far as uh, being successful enough inside the cage and putting on like strong enough performances to be considered among the top 15. And again, what has traditionally been a very, very strong division. Nah, it's over. Yeah, there. I mean, we mentioned Conor earlier and I actually can, I think there's a strong argument to be made that. Diaz is further above rankings than even Connor is right now because we're. I, I would I agree feel with like that. There's, I would totally yeah, agree with it. There's more of a conversation with Connor and people would react to it, but not seeing Nate in any rankings, no one's going to really say anything about it. That's like Diaz is too cool for the rankings. And I feel like that's kind of the case. Like he defies rankings. He defies all sorts of insane conversations about merit in MMA. It's just a crazy thing. The guy could go out and just get bolted for 23 minutes, but then win two minutes and he wins the fight. Like it's just crazy. <laughs> Everyone's talking about the, the final seconds of Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards when Leon was beating him the entire fight up until that point. Like, it's just, it's so crazy how this guy, his popularity and it's, it's just really, it's been amazing to see. Like I was in Tampa for the Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley rematch and Nate Diaz is a, is a true superstar. I mean, miles and miles of people just wanted to line up and take pictures of this guy. He had security guards walking him around to each beer station at different points throughout the fight. They closed off and had private beer stations for Nate Diaz and his team. So he could go and line up with his, with his guys, grab a Coors Light and then walk back to their seats. And then they would close another one. So Nate and his team could go get another drink. Nate Diaz is a legitimate superstar, even more so than I thought. And I always thought he was a very big deal, but seeing it live and in person and seeing how people reacted to Nate, I mean, it was just, it was kind of awe-inspiring. I was just like, wow, it's got to, like, it must be so hard to be Nate Diaz. Just, you can't go anywhere without hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands even, who want to line up and take your picture and bother you and want to take selfies. It's just crazy. So, yeah, Nate is beyond ranking. So, with, with, with all that being said, I don't think he will be ranked, but I don't think it matters. I will be absolutely flabbergasted if... Nate resigns with DOC because it would be the stupidest thing he's ever done. And that man is not an idiot. He is really smart about business. He is especially smart about his career. He is going to fight his last fight, get done with the contract, and he is going to go box Jake Paul and make all the money and wait for Conor McGregor to finish out his UFC contract and then box Conor where they can both make all the money from it instead of the UFC making the money off their trilogy. That's what's coming. And so there's a 1% chance that he gets ranked because he is gone. 
Yep. That says it. I mean, that says it all. You're, you're 100% right. My answer is no as well, because what's going to end up happening is he's going to box Jake Paul in 2022. And he might even lose that if I'm if we're all just kind of being honest here. Like, I don't know yeah. who I would favor in that fight. I probably would maybe favor Jake Paul because he's much bigger than Nate Diaz and he's a boxer. Uh, but is he going to lose it or is he going to Nate Diaz lose it where he loses it? But also his everybody still just kind of doesn't accept that he lost it because it's Nate Diaz. And <laughs> Nate, Nate is undefeated. Like yeah. Nate, the only time Nate Diaz has ever lost was uh, to who, who kicked him in the head. Josh Thompson. Josh Thompson. Thompson. Yeah. yeah, That's the only loss that Nate Diaz has ever had. And his brother had. threw the, the towel in. His brother, he wasn't it's, done. He wasn't done. No, no, no. <laughs> he wanted because more. when Nick throws a towel in, Nate will admit that he loses because it's Nick. <laughs> yeah. Nick says it, so it's it is written in ball. Uh, and so, yeah, that's the only time that Nate's ever lost, and he's undefeated, and that's how it will will be forever. So, you know, he might lose to Jake Paul, but he's not going to lose to Jake Paul. <laughs> I love it. Only he's the only person we could say that exact sentence, and it actually it makes sense. You don't even need to explain it. Yeah. Uh, Final one here, and then let's move on, fellas. You go back to mid-2017, and this is a man who has lost five of his last seven. I still don't know why, though. I just can't give up on him. And to me, he's a big entry going into 2021, just because, of, or 2022, I should say, this, just because of the circumstances. Kevin Lee, the newest signing of Eagle FC. He's going to be competing at 165 for them, so that'll make him a welterweight for our consideration. Despite everything we have been through with this guy, he is only 29 years old. And he's still only really been knocked out once in his career. So the odometer seems like it has, should have mileage left. Mike, Kevin Lee, ever ranked again. What do you think? This might be the toughest one of all because I just don't know if the quality of opponent that he's going to get at Eagle FC will merit a ranking. Like him fighting Diego Sanchez is a freaking joke. And it's one of the it's one of those things about Eagle FC that has me worried. Uh, there's a number of things about Eagle FC that that I have questions about. But this, the matchmaking in particular, is one that that kind of worries me. Like we taught, like some of the 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 putting Bigfoot Silva in a fight, like just makes no sense in 2022 uh, against anybody in any sort of combat sport. But then putting Diego Sanchez in there, who listen, the, the guy's tough as nails and all that, and he's a warrior and he's been doing this for a long time and he could take a beating, but I don't want to see him take any more beatings. And a win over Diego Sanchez clearly does not have the same merit that it once did. So if he's going to be fighting the Diego Sanchez's of the world for the next four or five fights at 165 pounds for Eagle FC, I'm not ranking him. It just depends. He needs to get a quality win. And I just don't know if he's going to get that quality win with Eagle FC. I, I just don't see it happening. So I'll say no. I don't think he will be ranked. Counterpoint, though. I know the Diego fight doesn't make sense for Diego, and I certainly don't want to see Diego get beaten up anymore at this point in his career. But this is a very boxing type of matchup, right? Like the, the bounce back fights, the the build back it's fights tremendous fight. are, are absolutely necessary in combat sports. And that's something we never get a chance to see in the UFC. And that's something that Kevin Lee is desperately needed. And this is the exact type of fight that maybe you can get him going, get that momentum rolling, get him back on track. I don't know. Jed, what do you think? Uh, I, I actually think he has a really good chance to be ranked again. Not this year, though. Um, so I wrote about this. Uh, I think it was – it had to have been after the Daniel Rodriguez loss. What Kevin Lee needs more than anything is a year or two to, to just stack up soft wins. 
And that was never coming for him in the UFC. They were not going to solve. They were not going to give him an easy one. They were not giving him a softball. He didn't want one. He would repeatedly just try and talk himself into fights with guys who are really damn good. And that is super detrimental to his career. Um, and I think that he kind of recognized that sort of the, the comments he's made since uh, exiting the UFC about Sean O'Malley picking and choosing his fights and developing like that. I think he's starting to realize that like, it's a lot better to just go out there and beat up people than it is to be in competitive fights time in and time out, especially when a fighter like Kevin Lee is a lot of confidence is like a lot of what what he needs. He needs to be confident in the cage. And you could see him fighting like Ally Quinta, who he should absolutely just rock. He should run out. Run I went off the rails and he struggled because he just lost confidence in that fight. So I think what he needs is to reset his career by just chalking up some wins over uh, dead money. And that's what he's going to get in Eagle FC. Like Diego Sanchez, like to your point, great matchmaking. He's going to get uh, a very comfortable win. He's going to get to to show out and he's going to get to do this in Eagle FC while building quote unquote uh, a division he has been kind of the figurehead for for the last five years or whatever like he gets to develop the 165 division uh he gets to do all these other things and i think when his time's up with eagle fc uh i'm gonna assume i don't remember his contract details i'm gonna assume he probably finishes it sometime next year so 2023 i think after that he'll look to get with a bigger organization um, either PFL or Bellator, I would suspect PFL. And I think I used what, 29, 28, he can absolutely go make a run through PFL. And if he does that, he's going to get ranked again. So I think he's got a really good chance. Look, our, our number 15 uh, consensus right now is uh, MVP, Michael Venom Page. Uh, and I'm a fan. I, I have, I think he's probably ranked at all because I think I have MVP ranked somewhat highly or at least higher than most. Uh, but I, I, I think Kevin Lee's better than him. Uh, I think if they were to go, if they were to fight, Kevin Lee would beat him in a fight. Now, by the time I think Kevin Lee puts together a run that makes him like el- like close to being ranked again, MVP probably won't be in that 15 spot, that, that 15, 14, 13 spot. You know, there's a lot of fluctuation there. Right? Uh, Ray Cooper's in there right now as well. You know, Jed mentioned the PFL. So, so that's kind of the range of where you need to be if you're competing outside the UFC to be ranked, like it, you can make it, you can make it. You just need to make a run. So yeah, the Diego Sanchez fight, definitely a bounce back thing. And then I, I think like, you know, Jed and I have sort of watched a bit of EFC just from keeping up with it for uh, like Miss Fist, seen a lot of the highlights. We can't like gauge the sort of the overall talent level, but they definitely have some good fighters there. It's just guys who aren't, you know, obviously don't have names yet. And uh, certainly the ones they're breaking out for the, uh, the American, de- the U S debut, they're going more for name power than necessarily future contenders. But I- I'm not, I'm not uh, worried about them finding talent. I think they will find worthy welterweights and, and guys who even besides Kevin Lee will be talking about outside the UFC. So it's, it's such a promotion to keep an eye on. And um, yeah, I think if Kevin Lee rattles off like five, like he need like five straight wins. Then in 2023, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some of us th- throw a, a couple of our lower uh, lower ranked votes his way and he does end up 15, 14, 13. So I, I'm actually leaning towards, yes, you will see you will see Kevin Lee ranked again. I have to agree with both of you guys. I, I think to me that the hard reset is exactly what he needed and exactly what Jed said. I mean, th- just two years ago, this is a guy who KO'd clean Gregor Gillespie. Like he still has mm-hmm. the talent. We know he still has the talent. Kevin Lee might forever just be one of my MMA blind spots where I have no real reason to have faith in the guy at some point, And yet I'll still always have faith in him that he'll turn it around and fulfill whatever kind of potential we felt like he had. But I, I feel like it ha- he's in a nice spot. seems like they're really going to build around him and sort of try to build back up his career and maybe build some sort of level of minor stardom 
for EFC around him. So I don't know. I'm optimistic heading into 2022 when it comes to Kevin Lee. Uh, but fellas, that was ever again. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you know what else? You know what else? I think uh, when uh, Habib comes back and rolls over for him to uh, boost him, <laughs> <laughs> to give him the rub, pro wrestling style, give him the rub, and that'll put right into the top 10. Right into yeah, the that's, my, that's, that's part Habib of my issue, is too. <laughs> yeah, that's part of my issue as well, is that Kevin Lee, while he's saying the right things right now, he said the right things a lot throughout his career. I've had yes. many conversations with of Kevin course. Lee. But then he gets a win and then he says just kind of insane things and he lets his confidence get the best of him at times. And that's kind of a worry that I have with him is that he shoots no, a little too far. That's the benefit to Eagle FC, though. Like there's nobody for him to do that with. He can't <laughs> talk himself into like fighting a real guy because Eagle FC doesn't have him. We'll see. We will see. Uh, but anyway, that's ever again. We're gonna have one more quick break and then we're putting our prediction hats on fellas and we're getting into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouthwatering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, y'all, we are back. Uh, and actually, one quick tangent before we get to our final segment here, I believe, AK, I will give you the floor. Yeah, look, we're going to be talking about rankings here. And I actually, I mean, you're giving me the floor so I can give so I can give Jed the floor. Because I, when people, in the, when the next edition of the rankings come out, I think people are going to see some some curious things. Uh, and, and I just want them to be addressed. And, I'm, and uh, Jed, you know, I'm not coming after you for your rankings. I want, I, it, it the, the rankings would be boring if we all had the same rankings and the exact same methodology. I think that's important for people to know. Certainly, I think most of us try and follow similar guidelines. Uh, but generally, like, you know, there should be some deviation. Otherwise, why would he even have a panel of eight people? We could just like pick one or two of us to do it. So I think it's good to be different. So Jed, I know you're, you've done a bit of a reshuffling with a new year, a new year, a new, what did you say? A new year, a new uh, method, a new philosophy new, or something? New year, new rankings, baby. New, new year, new rankings. Okay. <laughs> Just so look. Let me, uh, let well, me, let me, let me call, let me explain why I felt this need to be mentioned. Okay. So here's some, <laughs> let me, let me no, throw no, this fine. in. Let me throw this in go before ahead, go ahead. AK explains. Yeah. Jed, please. I just want you to know that AK DM me so mad when yeah. he saw this. <laughs> like, yeah. like I have not seen AK. I've but known AK a long time. Only because I have not seen him this upset in a long, long time. Now, and main only because you had done a reshuffling as with your last rankings. However, you've made it very clear to me, and I believe you, Jed, that, I mean, this is a different kind of reshuffling, and this is pretty much how you'll be going forward. So anyway, I'll let you explain. But here, here, so some of the, you have Sido uh, gone number one. You have Justin Gaethje uh, ahead of um, Charles Oliveira and Justin Poirier now, when you had Poirier above Gaethje before. And then you have Makachev as your new number one at lightweight, Shamayev number two at welterweight, and, uh, you know, some other things. So there's some big, I mean, some pretty big dramatic... Um, movements there. And I, I, honestly, there's some fans I don't think would disagree with you. I know there's a lot of people who would put Shamayev in their top five already. A lot of people who think Makachev is already the best lightweight. So, I mean, I, I might not necessarily agree. The rest of the panel might not agree. But wh where is your new, you know, where does this new philosophy uh, coming from? Well, it boils down pretty simply to uh, results don't matter because that is what I've learned on these ranking shows 
as everybody here, uh, everybody on this call, other than myself, uh, has for months now ranked Piotr Jan ahead of Aljamain Sterling, despite the fact that Sterling has an uncontrovertible win over Piotr Jan within the last calendar year. Uh, so... When that happened and then a couple other things, we, we went through all this on several of the previous shows. You can go listen to those if you want to hear hear me get violently angry at the lack of, <laughs> of uniformity amongst our panelists. Uh, and I've been threatening to do it. And I figured, you know, 2022, let's, let's get to where we need to be because the reality is rankings aren't about what you've accomplished in this sport. Uh, they're, they're about what we feel. You know, and so my feelings tell me that these are the people where if if I, you know, we've talked about it before. It's the Game of Thrones trial by combat rule. If I am picking one of these fighters, if I'm picking a lightweight to defend my life in a court of law for a battle to the death, Charles Oliveira unquestionably has a better resume uh, than Islam Makachev. But if I got to get one dude to be my champion... At 155 pounds, give me Islam Makachev or give me death, baby. And that's that is the guiding ethos behind all of my all of my choices. Now that might change. The the ethos won't change, but you know, some days maybe you would feel like, oh, okay, when we're getting down to like the bottom 15, it's pretty tough to be like, ah. But certainly at the top, it was really easy for me to make my rankings this month. I was just like, yeah, Islam Makachev would beat that, beat that ass for everybody at 155. He's number one. Gaethje's number two. Like, let's just go down the list. And there's a lot of overlap. I mean, guys like Usman and Adesanya, you know, they're still my number ones, but uh I'm really happy, frankly, with my rankings now because uh, it makes it a lot easier. I don't have to go look at their resumes and be like, ooh, well, I don't know. Is a, is a win over the number nine heavyweight better than – I'm just like, nah, if they fought tomorrow, Ciro Gans beating that ass. So that's the number one guy. Let's go. <laughs> AK, said, does that satisfy you? I said – I told you in between segments uh, that I'm not going to respond. I'm going to let him have his say. And that's it. I, I, I'm not I'm just going to let him. He kind of went at us there, uh, but I'm going to be the bigger man here. I'm just going to let him go. That's it. That's it. We have other stuff. To, we have other more important things to talk about. So just for anyone that's on the record, you guys heard everything he said. If, direct if all your you comments. Like if you have my issue, individual rankings, direct uh, your comments to him. They, thank He's you. He's invited. You go. go for it. He, he welcomes it. He, well, he, loves, he welcomes it. it. He, he loves it. He, he loves the attention. This is why I didn't <laughs> want to give him it. the attention. You wanted to no, give him the attention. Let, he loves the let attention. Let him have it. He needs this. I just said this thing. Let me oh, close God. No, on you, this. No, no, my you rankings are un- <laughs> you closed. You have closed. You have closed. Shaheen, my rankings are incontrovertible. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My, next my co-host is my co-host is steering the ship, and he says you've closed. We're, we're moving on. I just have to say, I am glad that we have a panel of eight people, so that your one ballot doesn't really actually affect things too much in the overall oh. scheme because all of us can kind of override your silliness and uh, that's good, that it's good for me you tell please. that to Ren and Ritter. <laughs> let's keep let's keep this civil anyway it is that time of year fellas uh it's prediction time this is the final thing we're doing today and uh we're gonna try to look ahead and not make fools of ourselves as we forecast what the MMA landscape could look like this time next year and so to do that we have developed a very simple exercise. We have all picked three fighters. These three fighters can either be one of two things. One, they could be guys who aren't in any of your divisional top fives, your own personal top fives, but you expect them to be there by the end of 2022. Or they could be names who do reside 
in that top five, but you expect them to fall out by 2022. So basically, there's two ways to go on this. Either prospects you think are going to take the leap or vets you think are going to have a really rough year. And again, this is your own personal top fives, not the cumulative rankings we have as a group for the MMA fighting rankings. So three each. We're going to just go through this quickly. Uh, There could be some overlap. And Mr. Heck, I would like you to start us off. I'm going to go with like the biggest rise, in my opinion. Armand Sarukian is going to be a tough out for anybody at 155. Oh, I know boy. he's not ranked. You've been banging in our this rank- drum, baby. You've been banging one. this drum. That's a good one. That's a good one. He's not ranked in our rankings right now. I think I have him at number 13. He's got that fun fight with, with Joel Alvarez coming up next month. And we know Alvarez has had his troubles on the scale. And I don't expect that to change all that much. Like he'll probably make 156, but he's probably going to pay a very hefty price to get to that weight. And Alvarez is very powerful the strikes, but Sarukian is an absolute killer. When he gets you on the mat, it's going to be very tough to get back on your feet. And if you do get back on your feet, you're going to spend a lot of energy to do so. This guy in his UFC debut to kind of build upon what Jed Mishu feels is the best lightweight in the world on less than a month's notice, if memory serves me correctly. This guy makes his UFC debut against... Jed's number one lightweight in the world is on Makachev. And he won a round in that fight, in my opinion. And it was a very close fight. And it won the fight of the night. How many people can say they got a bonus fighting Islam Makachev? Two, if you can include Adriano Martins, but he also knocked Islam out. But he got a fight of the night against Islam Makachev in his UFC debut at 22 years of age. And he hung with him better than most. He is going to be a problem for a very long time. And now he's starting to finish dudes with strikes inside the octagon. I think this guy could, I I, I think he's going to be a top five guy at the end of the year. I think he's going to be active. I'm glad he's fighting early in the year. Beating Joel Alvarez will be big, and then he's he's going to be fighting some guys and some decent names and some good resumes that th- they have to say yes to, and he's just going to run through them. So, yeah, I think he's going to make the biggest move in all of our rankings, my personal rankings, to go from 13 to top five and our overall rankings unranked to a top five guy in 2022. This guy's a monster, and I think this is his year. Yeah, I love if, it. If I we were it. going by, like, who do I think would win up, like Jed's thing, who do I think would win a fight? Like, I have Haush uh, Manfio at number 15 uh, in my rankings. I think Sarukin would murder Haush Manfio, like, just, just disintegrate <laughs> yeah. him. So if we're Sounds going by, like, like that's that. That's a good reason to have that guy in the I mean, top 15. <laughs> I mean, look, well, you don't have him there I think either. he'd get I mean, absolutely <laughs> obliterated by a dude who's not ranked. Look, you have Osre Yoon in there, and so I don't think you, you either think that he's better than, than Sarukian or, look, don't drag me into this, all right? But... Uh, <laughs> But I, I, I like I Mike's it. pick. Like I think I think he I think it's a great definitely, pick. yeah, definitely making to the top five by the end of the year. It's a great pick. It's a guy who is slept on right now, one fifty five in a major way. And you know one thing I like about you, Mike, you're a loyal guy. You have been loyal to this guy <laughs> from the very beginning. You called your shot, and he is still here. And I, I believe you. I actually believe he could be. It's it's just going to be a matter of getting the fights, getting the, the type of fights that could get him up there. Because I, I think he's probably destined for top five at some point. Uh, Ak, let's throw it to you next. Oh, yes. Okay, so my first name, this is a pretty easy one. I, I, I gave a, probably a little bit more of a boring answer than Sir Uh Menel Fioro at Women's Flyweight, I think is, I think she's in the right division where outside of the very top spot, there's a lot of movement. You have some sort of veterans up near the top, and then you have these up-and-comers with her and, of course, Casey O'Neill. So really the question is, do you think it's her or Casey O'Neill that'll make it, uh, make it to the top five first? Or Aaron, Bl- I think Aaron Blanchfield's a little bit further away. I think people forget how young she is. She's very, very young, and I know people see her as a future champion. I think she's like, I think we're not talking about her top five to like twenty twenty three, and I'm talking like mid to late twenty twenty three. And I say this as someone who has followed her career like before UFC, you know, so so pretty closely. I know how good she is. 
she she needs a lot more seasoning, a, a lot more time. But she's insanely talented. So for me, it's it's you know mainly Firo or or uh, Casey O'Neill, and I just give Firo the slight edge. I think her pre UFC work was a little more impressive. I think she's a fight finisher, which of course the UFC likes. Um, uh, oh, I got Casey O'Neill too. I'm sorry. I shouldn't. I should say Casey O'Neill as well. But um, I, I just I think uh, Firo's also a little bit older, so a little more physically mature. You really can't go wrong either way. Um, I do like the matchup she has next. Uh, she's fighting. Oh, I forgot. O'Neill's getting uh, Monifer, and Fiala's getting Jessica I. So they're both kind of on the right track, getting that veteran next. Very winnable uh, fight, too. Yeah, right. So you could really go with either one. I'm just leaning towards Manon. Um, but Casey O'Neill is another good option. Um, but yeah, I think Manon, by the end of 2022, absolutely will be at that five, four or five spot. I love the way the name rings off that tongue of yours, AK. You, you really nailed the accent. It, it, it's really spectacular to listen to. And also number five in our MMA Fighting's Rookie of the Year votes, Manon. She's killing it. Uh, Jed, let's go to you next. Uh, first, I would like to say I really liked AK's pick because uh, Manon was was right there. And all, along with what you said, um, you know, Casey O'Neill, Aaron Blanchfield, I think all three of those women have a really good chance. For me, uh, ooh, let's be happy. Everybody's been very positive. They've been go advancing. <laughs> I won't I won't go for my sad one of okay. who's going to fall off. Uh, we're going to go to the men's flyweight division. And Kai Care France, man, I think yes. that dude is a is a hitter. Um, and I don't know what we have him ranked at. I have him somewhere in the middle of the top 10. You currently have him uh, nine. Yeah, that's most of us. Yeah, nine around that range. Yeah, somewhere in that. Uh, I think this dude's a hitter. I know he's got the uh, the loss to Brandon Hoival, um and to Moreno, but I, I'm not as confident that I, I think he beat Royval if they rematch this year. I know that's, you know, a year and a half removed, but I think they'd win, he'd win the rematch. Um, and I just really like, I really like him. I love his camp. Uh, I, Cody Garbrandt is Cody Garbrandt, uh, but he's done it on him. And yeah, I think KKF is, is going to certainly make a move to the top five this year. And, you know, if he's not fighting for a belt by the end of the year, I think he's going to be right on the cusp of it. I believe he has a big fight already lined up, right? Askar Askarov. Askar Askarov. Oh, oh, they they did book that fight. Yes. Oh, yeah. Dude, he's going to beat Askar Askarov. Like straight mm. up. That's a tough fight. But if he does, man, he's right there. <laughs> he's in, immediately in the top five Hell if yeah. he wins well, yeah, that I mean, fight. Yeah, if he does, he's immediately. But I, he's, I think he's going to beat him. Um, I don't know. Uh, Askar Askarov is – it's really tough to get behind dudes who – uh, can't finish fights like that's even, even or make if weight are, even if they are dominant smothering forces like it's just hard to believe that a guy who can't finish he only missed weight once uh is it's just hard to believe that they're they're gonna beat a dude like like Kyle France who can finish the hell out of a fight <laughs> I feel like every flyweight is like allotted one weight miss it's just like almost like a rite of passage in the flyweight division. We're like, yeah, you got your one yes. type of thing. I don't, I don't know about that. Weight class. Man, I don't it's, know about a, that. it's a weird weight class. Uh, if y'all are going to be living in happy, happy sunshine and cookies world, I'll be the first one to introduce some sadness onto this podcast. Oh, dear. Do it. Break my heart. This one really actually kind of does break my heart. And I hate to do it. Oh, it and it's like, oh, it's, it's the guy I, I was going to say. I, it's struggling to think, like come out of my mouth. Same one. It's struggling to come out of my mouth, but Do it. he's turning 37 years old this year and Gagard Musasi. <gasps> I just don't, I just see it. I see it happening. It's, it's going to hurt me a lot. It's really going to hurt my heart when it happens. But this man has been in our lives for so long between boxing, kickboxing and MMA. He has a ton of mileage on him and he has looked particularly mortal in these last four fights. He's number three right now on my middleweight rankings. 
but it really just comes down to one thing. It comes down to his circumstances, right? Because the competition he is facing and the lack of really great options at Bellator and middleweight right now, all he needs to do is lose one. He just needs to have one bad night. The moment an Austin Vanderford or a Johnny Eblen catches Gegard on, on just the wrong night, I think that's all it's going to take for enough people to drop the moose out of their top fives, especially if you have guys like a Derek Brunson or an Andre Muniz or whoever else you have over in the UFC massacring people in this division. I think this might be the year Gegard finally drops off, guys. Oh, I can't do I'm it. Not even I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, well, I think you're I'll totally say, right, but whatever. it's a very smart pick. It's a very smart pick. Obviously, I think he's going to I heavily favor him over Austin Vanderford. Uh, I'd love to see if there's any preliminary odds on that. Um, there are. I haven't uh, I've not checked those out yet. I would hope he's at least a two to one favorite. But you're right. I don't know. Maybe people are looking at his age. Austin Vanderford undefeated, as you said, in Bellator, wonky things happen. I don't know if you'll want to take that into account. All it takes is one good shot. You know, your reflexes aren't quite what they were used to when you were 33, 32, 31. <laughs> So that's the, the, what Masasi is facing right now. Um, gosh, I didn't even want to think about that. But I will say, I don't think he'll fall out. And this sounds obvious, like as long as he keeps winning. I, I know I know you brought up the competition thing in Bellator. But I mean, like, no, because there's some people who like, if he, no, because there's some people like, if he, be, if he really beats, like, take. no, if he beats Austin Vanderford, Johnny Eblen, like just, just by facing these guys and not facing anyone else in the top 15, there's people who will drop him naturally. They will just say, well, look, Derek Brunson just beat, you know, Kananir. He he has to jump over Musasi. Uh, Marvin Vittori, you know, maybe rattles off another two wins against top 10 people. He has to jump over Musasi. Uh, a lot of guys, uh, Sean Strickland keeps winning. How can you not put him over Musasi, right? And for me, I wouldn't. For me, I, I think I will not ding uh, Musasi for, again, beating whoever he has to beat at 185. But I think a lot of people will. I think that, and so for me, he won't drop out. Um, but but I also think he doesn't have to lose. He doesn't have to lose um, for him to drop out of the top five. Even though I think personally that should be the case, I could see people just dropping him without it. It's gonna hurt my heart so much when it mm. happens. Mike, what's your, what's your number two? All right, I'll go. I'll go sad as well. I will say I thought about Gegard Musasi, but I think he beats Austin Vanderford. And I know Bellator and Musasi have been talking. Uh, extensively about Musasi fighting the winner of the light heavyweight Grand Prix. So I think they will end up going that route. So this might be his only fight at middleweight in 2022, but we'll see what happens. But as far as picking a, I guess, fall from grace, boy, this might hurt some feelings. This one hurts to say, but uh, I'm going with Yanni Blocko because oh, yeah, that loss to Glover is going to sting. And I feel like there's sort of a blueprint in place that Glover gave everybody in how to beat him. Like you can't let Jan stay out in space and get comfortable and start landing that legendary Polish power. You have to try and bully him and go right after him. And I think Alexander Rakic could give him a lot of problems on March 26, especially over 25 minutes. And then what's next? He fights Ankalaev, Jamal Hill, like even, you know, Anthony Smith has found this new surge of confidence and almost anger that could cause some problems and what if glover beats yuri prohashka what if that happens no then you might throw blahovich in there with that bad man i mean and then you got like guys like paul craig who's looked incredible as of late guys like dustin jacoby who's getting better and better michelle olegzaychuk who i feel like is is just getting into his prime and i just feel like the road is only going to get tougher and you mentioned the age of musasi at 38 yeah will be 39 by the time he fights alexander rakic how quickly can you make the improvements you need to make? So while I think Jan Bohovic's 2020 will go down as one of the UFC's like all-time feel-good stories, I think this is the year where Bohovic might have to take that long look in the mirror. So that's my pick, and sucks to say it. Ah, 
that does suck. Well, let, but, me, let me piggyback off that then because mm-hmm. I'm in the same neighborhood. Uh, just just slightly higher higher fall for me. Glover to share. He's Oof. he's done. This is that's what? where I thought you were going. <laughs> I mean, those sure. are Jan, Jan and Glover. Jan and Glover were my two alternates. They were my top two. I mean, they're most of the arguments are the exact same uh, for Jan that uh, Mike just made. But I, I think Glover's going to use lose to Yuri uh, when they fight, and obviously that wouldn't necessarily drop him out of the top five. But I think one, there's a really good chance he just retires this year after he loses sure. the belt. In which case, sure. he will by definition, <laughs> leave our rankings. But even if not, if he loses to Yuri and he still wants to come back, run it back again, it's the same thing for Jan. Then he's going to fight Magomed Ankalaev, Alexander Rakic. Like, he's going to fight one of those dudes. And look, Yanni Blanco's 37. That's spry. <laughs> Glover's <laughs> in his 40s, man. Like, I his, his ascension to claim the title this year was – so improbably an even better feel good story than Jan Blavich is like un, unprecedented, frankly. And I'm so glad it happened. I was stunned that it did. And I think that this is it. He gets the one he he doesn't get to Michael Bisping and get some softball first title defense over another dude who's ancient. He's he's going to lose and then he's going to lose really rapidly after that and probably retire. So I, I think Glover's done. You want a prediction, Jed? You want a prediction, Jed Mishu? I'm going to give you a prediction right oh, now. Give it to him, Mike. Glover Teixeira will submit Yuri Prohashka and Whoa. retain the Whoa. title. I'm saying it now, and when that and when we okay, make our it. fighter picks, Keep I'm noted. picking Glover by submission. Noted. It should Keep also be noted. Energy, I'm marking Mike. this down. I'm marking Keep the timestamp. Same energy. It should be. It should be I noted uh, that uh, Glover falling out of the top five would not be a big drop for you, Jed. You have him ranked fourth. Uh, <laughs> hey, I do. I, he, look. <laughs> He has, he has Prohashka number one. Whoa, whoa, hold on. He has Prohashka number one. He's not the only one. He has three, three of our panelists, including him, have Prohashka number one. Uh, he did put Nemkov above him, which is fine. I mean, I, again, he put Nemkov and Corey Anderson, and, it, and it's hard to say. I mean, Corey Anderson has a win over Glover Deshera from some time ago. Uh, Nemkov, right. we don't know. They haven't fought. It's I'm like just saying, years I, ago. I, I, I don't, obviously, I don't agree with this ranking, but I'm saying it, it's it, not uh, crazy. When you, not crazy. When you lay it out like and, that, it's not. And, it's super not crazy yeah. because more and, to the point. You would pick those three guys to beat to share in a fight if it happened today, and that's fine. And, and but, I would, I, but I'm and saying most like, of you all would too, yeah. and that's the thing. I can mock I don't know what your you're rankings talking about. for having Conor McGregor ranked despite him having no relevant wins at lightweight. He's talking to you, you AK. He's only talking to you. <laughs> don't you can't me. really come at <laughs> well, me for mine because well, 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 my well. answer is I think this Hold dude on. would beat that Hold dude, on. and that's the not only, really I, arguable. Jed, I'm your only advocate here. I don't know why you're coming at me. I'm the only one here who like. I wasn't. No, I wasn't even gonna let you. Like they didn't even want you to explain yourself. Like I'm the one who let you explain your. I, and I, again, I'm not jumping into this muck with you. Your rankings are <laughs> barely defensible, and I, and we're only wasting time here if I gave you even more opportunity to defend them. But, uh, but I'm just saying, like for you, it's like you have to share on his way out of the top five already. Like you kind of already are seeing the writings on the wall for you with him, right? Like he's just he's going out. Oh yeah. I, yeah. Well, like I said, I genuinely don't. I think this is last year competing too. I think he fights maybe twice, yeah. and he's gone. So then he's all the way out of everyone's rankings. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well I'm going to keep this pity party going since we're no, just going hard on, uh, on the old the people. I know. Positive. And doing, I'm going to keep it going. You picked two. <laughs> you picked two dropouts, Shane. You went did, two dropouts. I did pick two dropouts. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with you guys? I, I know. I love some positivity, but it's, well, I didn't get my it second. Just feels like one of these. Years. I didn't get my second. We'll go to you thing. next, AK. It's okay. I feel neglected. 
<laughs> go to you next. A lot I just want to keep with the theme of the four-year-olds. A, four a, a lot of issues are coming up now. Uh, so for my next one, this is simple. She is 40 years old. She's going to be 41 years old by the end of 2022. And same with Yegard. She has quite a bit of mileage on her odometer between the boxing, the kickboxing, the MMA, over almost 80 combined fights. Holly Holm, my number four for the bantamweight rankings in the women. She hasn't fought in over a year. She was dealing with uh-huh. knee injuries, illnesses, all of 2021. Eventually, it's going to happen to Holly. Like eventually she's going to start losing these really close decisions to some up and comers. And that last 10% of whatever that skill set is that just needs to deteriorate just enough to matter. It's, it's going to happen. There are up and comers at women's band. I was going to say, actually that was, that's the problem. That's my problem. My my biggest worry, my one worry about this pick is just how bad this division is right now outside of these top few. Because if you look at the names like six through 10, six through 12 at one thirty-five. There is nobody who Lisa inspires confidence for five years and is still a top 10 fighter. <laughs> it's, it is rough right now Let's, at 135. But yeah. I will say, and last thing for me on this, it happens to everyone at some point, this, this decline, and you just never know who can surprise. We saw it in 2021 with all these unexpected champions who no one thought we'd be talking about. Brandon Moreno, Juliana Pena, Glover Teixeira, Charles Oliveira, all these people. No one thought they'd be champion. I think 2022 is the year it happens to her. I just can't pick any of these people. So Raquel Pennington, I still think home beats her uh, again. Yana <laughs> uh, Kuniskaya is a, is a mom right now, so she's out of the picture for now. Uh, Kellen Vanna, maybe. Uh, Sarah McMahon, again, is kind of in the same range. Misha Tate, we talked about this. That fight could happen. Look, it's, it's a rough not, division. Boy, it's rough. Carol, Ho- like, that's Carol the Host is tough, man. There, sure, you go. No. there you go. There's one of your options, sure. There's one of your options. I feel I feel the worst about this pick of my three, but it might happen. I had to throw it out there. All right, AK, you're, hit me with your you're second. A posi- you're a positive person. You didn't want to. I think you didn't want to pick another uh, drop. So I, I'll save my drop for last. I think my my my, my drop pick is super depressing. Uh, so I'll bring us back to the positive here and shine a light on one Mr. Movsar Evloyev, who uh, some people I'm sure would have in their top ten already. I wouldn't go that far. Um, I have I have him just outside my top fifteen. 5-0 in the UFC, 50-0 as a pro. There's not a lot to say about him. I mean, he's not the most exciting guy. I get it. Classic, you know, um, uh, classic uh, uh, Russian wrestler. He's in that mold. Big fight with Ilya Tapuria coming up, which I, I would favor him to win. Uh, and after that, uh, he just needs a big finish, and he needs a big finish signature win. But great resume so far. I'm just looking at Sungwoo Choi, uh, Mike Grundy, and then his last two wins, Nick Lentz and da- Dawadu. So there's a veteran. There's another guy who's sort of around in the top 20, uh, in Dawadu, top 20, top 25 in the rankings. So he, he's, he really is just kind of taking a very steady, somewhat unexciting path to uh, to a top five ranking. And I do think he makes it by the end of uh, by the end of the year. It is a deep division, um, but I guess I could see some names. I could see him hopping, somehow find a way to hop over. Uh, maybe uh, Patricio Pitbull, Yair, and Ortega. I'll go that far. That's how good I think this kid is. All right. Mike Heck, give us your third and final one. So I decided to go the compliment sandwich route where we start positive, negative, and then we end positive. Uh, and I'm surprised. And it was a good strategy because I'm surprised this name uh, is actually still on the board. But I know it's not like a huge reach, but Andre Muniz definitely sticks out to me because yes. he's number 10 right now. Yeah. I, I definitely can see him being in our top five at the end of the year because at some point he's going to get matched up with a Derek Brunson, Marvin Vittori, Jared Cannonier type fighter. And I would favor him to beat all of those guys. Vittori might be the toughest of the three, but I don't know if there's kind of like we we're talking about with Marab. I don't know if there's a lot of guys who will jump at the chance, but probably... 
the loser of Cannoneer Brunson or the loser of Hermanson Strickland could be next for Muniz. And yeah, I think if he's healthy and can fight three times this year, I, I think he's going to be a top five guy. Hard to argue with that. He has looked so damn good so far in his early run. He could be, he could be the champion. Absolutely. I'll go that far. I'll go that far. MMA fighting submission of the year winner, Andre Muniz. Put some <laughs> respect on that man's name. Uh, Jed, what's your third and final one? Man, I really wanted to compliment Sandwich, but I can't. <laughs> I did because I wanted I wanted to pick uh, Mateusz Gamrot because mm-hmm. I think that dude's a freaking monster, but yeah. lightweight is it's such tough. a mess. It's I so just tough. don't know if he's going to get the opportunity that he would need to crack that top five. So... I've decided to do what I do best and come with the heaters uh, to close this one out. I'd like us to go to the heavyweight division for just a moment. Hmm. And in that division, in the top five, and most people's top two, there's a man named Stipe Miocic. Oh, no. Your old friend. Your old friend. A former UFC heavyweight champion. Many consider him to be the greatest UFC heavyweight uh, of all time. Some <laughs> wrongly consider him to be the greatest heavyweight of all time. Uh, those Philistines are idiots. Uh, and they'll be proven to be such because 2021 is going to be a bad year for Stipe. Look, all I'm saying about Stipe is, well, I'm saying a couple things. First, he's 39. He's, he's going to be 40 this year. Granted, heavyweight, you can age a little better than in other divisions, but he's 40 this year. He's coming off a just horrifying, horrifying KO loss to the current champion, Francis Ngannou. And more to the point, you know, the thing about Stipe, I'm not here to question his wins. They are excellent. I'm not here to, to downplay any of those. But do you know how many wins he has over guys that are currently ranked in our heavyweight rankings? Take a guess. Two. The answer is two. It's Francis Ngannou <laughs> and Alistair Overeem, who oh, frankly no. shouldn't be ranked because he retired from MMA. So he has one win over a guy that's currently ranked in the heavyweight rankings, and it's the same dude who just blew his friggin' doors off last year. Like, Stipe is still a very good fighter and probably can win a lot, but we just haven't seen him compete against any of the top guys, and he's going to have to this year. He is... Uh, I like I said. I think he loses the rematch to Ngannou. I think he loses to Gane. Uh, I think he loses to John Jones if that ever happens. And I think just given what we don't know, there's a big opportunity for him to lose to some young up and comer like Tom Aspinall or whatever. Like for me, I won't be stunned if I'm wrong. Like you can you can age well at heavyweight, but he's forty. He's going to be forty, and I think that this is just it. You know. I think the the wheels are going to finally come off. I'm I'm not wrong. I was just early in saying that Stipe sucked and was terrible. I wasn't wrong. I was just early. And 2022, I'm finally about to get paid on that. You are never welcome in the city of Cleveland ever. If I oh, if oh I no, say, I can't I go say, to the land. Say, That's say, horrible. I was say, lucky you. Oh. I was gonna say uh, it's, good. it's okay. Damon's not here. It's okay. Damon's not here. Uh, listen, I was I, uh, I I have to ask then, uh, Jet. Why did you why do you still have a number three? Why not drop him out of the top five? Why not drop out of your top five already? Uh, because I think. I think if they were to fight tomorrow, I would still pick him. I definitely would still pick him over Derek Lewis. Just because Derek Lewis is um, 
is, uh, you know, he's very susceptible. Uh, so if we went way deep into my picks, there were a couple instances where my philosophy was hard to implement because uh, I think I straight up believe Curtis Blades would beat Stipe Miocic. Uh, I am less confident that he would beat Derek Lewis because we literally saw that okay. fight happen. So there's a bit of like sh- shuffling. So they're kind of clustered so yeah, it's, together. It's a bit three, of a rock, five. paper, yeah. scissors. Right, and, right, right. Uh, kind of the broader rule I adopted was when that sort of thing happened, I defaulted to uh, – you know, resume and wins sure, sure. over secondary fields. So, yeah, secondary factor. Yeah. Octagon control. Octagon control is your second. Yeah, exactly. yeah it's the octagon <laughs> control of my philosophy. And so yeah, like like I think if Cipe fights Curtis Blades, he's he is just screwed. Like I think he is straight up <laughs> oh in goodness. trouble in that fight, and that totally could happen. Oh. Um, and I still think you know it's hard to pick against Stipe for guys like Tom Aspinall who are unproven. But if I'm putting my life on the line, I think I'd rather go with 27 year old or however old Tom Aspinall is and like what he the flashes he's shown. I'd rather be on the rocket ship going up instead of the one who is uncontroversially on the downhill. Even if you think where he's at in the downhill is still above other guys, Stipe is not at his best anymore. So uh, I'd rather ride the train up than down. All right, AK, hit us with your third one. Uh, are you going to end on a high note, Gene? Because mine's really sad. I am going to hand on high note. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, yeah. Let me go first then, please. Uh, I hate to say this, but I think a lot of us are thinking it. And based on the ranking, I think a lot of us are pretty much sending him in that direction anyway. Uh, Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson. Uh, it sounds, it's unbelievable to say it. Like, we're not far removed from him winning fights. I mean, he's coming off one loss. <laughs> um, winning fights. <laughs> I mean, look, look, Danny Kingad, I think, is solid. I like you, Yawakamatsu, but I mean, we're far removed from, you know. He's my number two ranked dude. Don't have to I know. sell me on him. I'm sh- well, uh, yeah. Wait, who's your number two? Oh, uh, uh, oh, wait, who's your number two ranked dude? Oh, wait, no, I have him at four. No, sorry. you have, yeah. You have we pretty much all have him at three or four. Yeah, we all have him around four. Yeah. Uh, uh, Steven, Steven has him at five. So we're all kind of, and look, it's a combination of one, the guys he's fighting are, frank, again, good fighters probably not as good as the current UFC uh, flyweight roster, which is very underrated. I think we all know flyweights in the UFC are really good uh, and, and, and some other promotions, but primarily the UFC. Um, so he he he's beating good guys, but not anything that's like kind of wowing us, not just blowing our doors off. Of course, he suffers that unfortunate loss to Morais. And then uh, his next fight, he, he, he lines up with, with Rotang. You know, he's going to do this sort of special rules like Muay Thai fight. And that's cool. Like, I, I, I want Demetrius Johnson to do other things outside of MMA. He's always said he wants to do kickboxing. He might want to do a grappling competition. Who knows? He's kind of done everything he can do in MMA. Uh, you know, so I understand him being like, you know, if he rematches Adriana Marais, great. If he doesn't, he doesn't care. He just wants to keep fighting and making money, whether it's an MMA or not. But, I mean, for as far as our rankings go, that means... He's either going to get removed for inactivity at some point, um, as far as inactivity in MMA, or he's just going to fall out from not fighting anyone of note or possibly suffering more screwy losses, which can happen when, again, when you sort of reach the stage of his career and or I don't I don't know how dedicated he is to just MMA anymore. So it's it really hurts me to say it. This guy was as well as recently as like, what, two years ago was arguably the pound for pound or top three pound for pound best fighters in the world. And now we might say he might not be a top five flyweight. So I don't know. It's horrible to say. It's going to be 36 years old by the end of 2022. Mm-hmm. It's it's just that thing, man. At the, the lighter weight divisions, it's so hard to age gracefully. And also, he's kind of like fighting bantamweights, and he's not a bantamweight. Yes, and that's not helping. That's, that's not, not helping. helping. 
that's not helping. Uh, I'll end on a high note. Please, please. I'll end with some positivity. And I'm actually like really stunned that this guy is still around. I had backups because I felt like this guy would end up getting picked much way before this. But uh, this is the inverse to my Holly home pick. With her, I felt like it was finally time for the decline. And for with this gentleman, I, I feel like it's finally time for the proper escalation to happen. Because the truth is, if Magomed had, and Kalayev hadn't lost to a miracle Paul Craig Hail Mary triangle at the buzzer in his UFC debut... This dude probably would have already been champion or at least fought for it because we are up now to like seven straight wins in the UFC since then four finishes fairly one sided wins these last few against Nikita Krylov and Volkan Ozdemir who both of whom I, I respect immensely at 205. There is a sea change approaching right now in this division. It's inevitable. We've talked about it ex- at length today with Glover Teixeira and Jan Blakovich that the champ is 42 years old. Jan is 38 years old. You look at all the young talent coming up. I feel like Ant Clive might be the best of the bunch. He's getting Tiago Santos in March. That to me is kind oh, of like God, more of a, an awful fight for yeah, Santos. Like that's that's more <laughs> of like a lateral step than anything. Because yeah. I don't know how we how well we regard Tiago at this point. But I get it. You get a win over a former title challenger, it'll probably be entertaining. After that, though, I think they let go of the reins and they just let two twenty twenty two become the year Ant Clive ascended at least into title contention. I don't know if you actually get that title shot, but I think he'll probably be in the mix by the end of it. Who knows, though? He might even leave uh, the year with the belt strapped around his waist if things get a little uh, weird. I'm just saying. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, I it's, cr- it's crazy that in our rankings. Kid. I didn't pick him yeah. because I have him six. You have him high <laughs> so six. He's not, moving, yeah. he's not moving up much for me. He, he's kind, it's weird. He's kind of all over the place in our rankings. Jed has him as high as six. We have him as low as uh, someone else has low as 14. So and and, and everything in between. And then there's there's eight. There's I see 11. I see uh, nine. So, or, I, see I have him 10. at 10 currently. Right. Yeah. So we're kind of all, we know he's a top five talent. I don't think anyone's disputing that. He's so clearly like one of the top five, like most talented uh, uh, light heavyweights in the world. Um, and I like where your head's at, uh, uh, Shaheen. Like, yes, this is, it feels like everything's speaking at the right time. Uh, and and, and, we're, and that, that, that loss, to, that freak loss to Craig is so far in the rearview mirror. For me, it would be shocking if he does not challenge for the, the UFC light heavyweight title uh, by the end of the year. I think I'd be very surprised. Well, gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun. I, oh, I no. I have a question. Okay, oh, hit It's me. an important uh, one. Hit me. Uh-huh. I assumed that this guy would be taken. Um, I okay. could not take Bonus. him Bonus. because I have him number two. How did nobody pick <laughs> did Hamza no Shemaev? I didn't like, take him because I assumed everybody would. It's just would. too obvious. Yeah, it's just too like, It's weird. It's almost like... I just like, can't because he's number it, two for it was me, out of respect. But. It was out of respect for your rankings, really. I think we all saw it and we're like, oh, he's already top five. Like, why would we even why bring it up? He's clearly a top I think that's who I thought you were going with. He was like, oh, okay. Finally, we're going to close on the Hamza show. That makes no, sense. And then, we should have. Can we put him in the headline? still can we still put him in the headline and in the in the tweet because no, no he feels I, like I, the given like he feels like the the obvious choice right like i think we all kind of deferred obvious. almost to like whoever was going to choose him because he felt like such an obvious yeah, choice but that's all, a great point to call it out defer, we all defer to each other and i think also it's he's just sort of in his own uh hamza is like on his own weird path where so many people i think already view him as a top five like a a, a, a surefire title contender and probably this year like it's almost not worth mentioning it's like we just it's yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be in the top five, almost no doubt by the end of the year. So yeah, it wasn't just deferring to each other; it's almost like deferring just also to like popular opinion. Like we're like, yeah, you guys all know it. Like what's what's there to discuss? It's, if we dedicate an entire up. ranking show to you, then you're not a like a low key riser. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean, so yeah. when we have the oh, Armand Sarukian got- show, when I won't pick him next year. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, that uh, Sarukian is actually probably the best choice of all. Of that these, was really good. I'm just that saying. Really good. We have Chimaev at eleven. He's not even in the top 10 of our 
rankings. And that's with me putting him at two, by the way. Oh, that's, what, that's, what, that's trying <laughs> that to stop means, you. That yeah. means people are really lowballing Shmaev, and it just Big felt time. like we should mention him. Great Big call. Time. Great Good call day. on that. Definitely worth mentioning. Put that in the in the URL for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, this has been a lot of fun. I look forward to, at the end of the year, looking back on these and just feeling very silly at all of us of how wrong we were about all of this. But, you know, maybe we'll get lucky and hit a couple. Uh, in the meantime, this has been the first edition of 2020 for the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. We appreciate all of you so much for tuning in. Hope everyone had a wonderful holiday. I hope this year is incredibly successful and happy and, and just a good time for everybody uh, listening. We, we love y'all. Thank you so much to Mike. Thank you so much to Jed. For AK, I am Sean Oshadi. This has been the MMA Fighting Ranking Show. Tune in next month. We'll see you there. Glad we didn't get into pound for pound stuff, y'all, because my pound for pound rankings would make everyone even more mad. <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.